Hi, I'm Tiana Byerts, artist, writer, kayaker, mermaid, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. And hello, I'm Robin Renee. Welcome to episode 147. In this episode, I talk with artist and naturalist Tiana Byerts about art, nature, and being a mermaid. But before that, Robin interviews me in the artscape. And just to let you know, you can find us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and X Twitter at Leftscape. You can help support the podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. We post exclusive content there monthly. So join us at patreon.com slash leftscape. Yes, thank you. We love your listenership and we love your support. Yes. So this fortnight I learned, this fortnight I learned that as of 2022, there were only 25 blimps left in existence. I was actually putting together a show of bands from Ohio and okay. I discovered that because of, because the, the Goodyear the Goodyear blimp got mentioned and so <laughs> there's actually a schedule for where the Goodyear blimp appears I thought that was very entertaining <laughs> wow but but I also didn't know that you know there were only 25 left in the world so that's wow. kind of interesting I wonder why is it cuz we're running out of helium I <laughs> well it's not a great mode of transportation <laughs> I think that's one thing and then you know, so it used to be just more prevalent way back in the in the uh, day. And then yes. and then I guess it's it's good advertising, but there are other ways these days, I guess. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. It was it was one of those things I thought like, wait, we used to see blimps. I don't know that they were in the sky like every day, everywhere, but Yeah, but, there were more when we but, were little. Yeah, like you would you would see them and now and it's like, Oh yeah, they don't they mostly don't exist, so I thought. Yeah. That, so I looked I'm it gonna, up. So twenty-five. Yeah. I'm going to make a prediction that they will make a comeback at some point when people are more leisurely, because I I have a feeling they take less energy to to run than a lot of other things. Although I, you know, hot air balloons are kind of similar, except you can't steer them. Right. Right. Hmm. And. I don't know. And I think they're more comfortable. I was in a hot air balloon and it was terrifying. So it's a little <laughs> scary. <laughs> yeah. With the flame over your head and then, and then the, the thousands of feet to fall. If you fall, it's very, I, I was just gripping the sides of this thing the entire time it was in the air. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not great with heights, honestly. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, so what did you learn this fortnight? Nobody wants to know what I learned this fortnight, but (laughs) this fortnight I learned that hemorrhoids are no laughing matter. And that is all I'm going to say on the subject. Unless, I don't know, I guess we could talk about it on Patreon. And if you really want 
the I, I, I question how much TMI our patrons really want. Well, they'll we've, have to. We've, we've tested their limits in the past, so we'll see. Have we? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, that was just with sex stuff. That was, you know, everybody wants to hear that stuff. So. Right. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I guess we should do a, a listener poll. <laughs> if you actually contact us in any of our any of our social media or on the website or on Patreon or whatever that you want to know the details about this, then I will do an episode on Patreon, but you have to ask me. Yeah. So, yeah maybe I, we'll get some. I, I'm not going to hold my breath for that one. <laughs> well, you kind of need to hold your breath. Uh, oh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll stop. I'll yeah. stop. <laughs> I'm guessing that we can't put off the news anymore. So here is all the news that we can handle. So as you are probably aware, Diane Feinstein died last week at the age, what, was she 90? I was that think she was 90. Yeah. 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 She find, She passed away. And Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has named LaFonza Butler, a Democratic strategist and former labor leader, to fill the Senate seat held by Dianne Feinstein, who died on thir last Thursday. Butler, who's 44 years old, will be the only Black woman serving in the U.S. Senate right now and the first openly LGBTQ plus person to represent California in the chamber. She currently leads Emily's List a national political organization dedicated to electing Democratic women who support reproductive rights. She also served as a strategist and advisor to Kamala Harris's presidential campaign and was a former labor leader of the SEIU California, the state's largest union that represented more than 700,000 workers. There have been only two Black women who have served in the U.S. Senate so far, Vice President Harris and Carol Mosley Braun. And I also hear she's getting she she's going to be challenged probably on the Democratic ticket because there's another Democratic woman who's running. I think she's already on the ballot and she's going to be running for the Senate next year. And I think their primary is in March. So there's some people in California who are kind of pissed about Newsom's choice. I think I think she's a capable person from reading her her resume anyway. And we'll see. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. This was actually news to me. I did not know that he had appointed someone yet. So that's yeah. Well, I think cool I think too. this is part of the advantage of us doing recording the show at night instead of first thing in the morning. So stuff could actually happen during the day. <laughs> right. This might have happened earlier today. So okay. <laughs> very very cool. Well, one of the things that I thought was really interesting that happened in the last couple of weeks was Taylor Swift's like huge impact on voter registration. That is awesome. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of an amazing testament to the power of celebrity and also, you know, not just shutting up and singing as some people would ask people to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I might, I might actually listen to her music now. So. Yeah. You know, I've never been a huge, I'm not a Swifty by any stretch, you know, but I've listened to some things like on, on Yacht Rock Discord, some people have featured her albums from time to time and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I, I get it. She, she is a great talent, you know, whether or not you like what she does specifically or whatever. But, but the great thing is that she's definitely 
liberal, if not progressive, and, you know, just put out something on, I think this was on Instagram mainly, where she was like, hey, okay. you know, sign up to vote, it's voter registration day, whatever, and like 35,000 new registered voters happened. Yay. So. Yay, yay. That, I think that is great, and yeah. thank Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously there are people who are pissed about it, but, well. Yeah. People are going to be fine. pissed about anything. There's yeah. always going to be some people that are going to be pissed about anything at all. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So <sighs> good for her. I think that's great. Indeed. Also earlier today, Monday, New York City Mayor Eric Adams announced on Monday that abortion pills will be available to New York City residents via telehealth or online. And I think that's freaking amazing. You know, it's just you know he only has he only has jurisdiction in the city but you know he got that done people will be able to I, I don't know how the online stuff does but they can you know do a telehealth call with a with a medical person and they will ship the the pills to their New York City address that's fantastic <sighs> yes it's it, as you said it's a shame that it's so limited but it's it's a great step you know so I'm yeah. glad to see see that yeah. Making progress however we can do it, you know? Yeah. And it's going to yeah. be a patchwork. I mean, that's just kind of how it's set up right now. Yeah. Sadly. In other news. <laughs> so today is Monday and Donald Trump is, his his corporate, his New York corporate lawsuit is beginning today. Okay. So I don't, I, I believe he, he did go to New York. I don't know if he like yes. made his appearance, if he's in the courtroom today or what happened with that. I didn't get to see. Well, when I was looking for my news articles, I saw some stuff about this and some typically Trump lawyer bullshit, silly things. Cause I mean, they had been, there's been a lot of news about the New York business case going around last week. And I didn't realize that the judge was making rulings like before the trial about about some things like they pulled his business license already and and something about a receivership for all his properties. He he is he's kind of on on the hook to lose all of his New York businesses. And, you know, while on the surface, that sounds like, wow, that's you know, he's going to be out of business, blah, blah, blah. But it looks like he can assign the businesses to his kids because they're not involved specifically, or not all of his kids are involved specifically in this lawsuit. I think maybe okay. one of them is. I thought um, that Eric and Junior were, but... Maybe. Um, I, well, I, they were talking about Ivanka taking over the businesses. Right. It's starting to sound like that that HBO, <laughs> that HBO oh, show. Oh, yeah. Succession. Succession. Yes, yeah. yes. But then I, I had read this earlier today that his lawyer forgot to check a box saying they wanted a jury trial. So this is, there's no jury because his lawyer fucked up. So, wow. You know, I mean, I guess he, he's paying for the best people. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's wild. I didn't know hear that yet. But so the, the interesting thing with this, yeah, what you're saying is that they actually made the judgment that fraud occurred like that was the prejudgment made by the okay by the judge yeah. that we're not going to go to trial and present all this evidence about whether or not fraud happened because it happened i'm making the summary judgment that that is the case so the yes. so the case the trial or whatever however they're going to deliberate it is going to be about what is the punishment for these 
Right. This and fraud. The, and because and because the lawyer didn't check the box on the form, there's no jury that's going to decide this. It's all up to the judge who's already just really angry at Trump anyway, because I think I was reading some of his rulings and he is they I, I don't know. I don't know what gender this judge is, but they're very they're very displeased. Yeah, <laughs> let's put it that way. Wow. So, yeah, so that's October 2nd, October 9th. There's some activity with the Georgia case. The co-defendants, Cheeseboro and Powell, have to submit proposed questions for juries, and they're do- they're doing a bunch of you know jury questionnaire stuff around that. Mar-a-Lago hearings are happening on the 12th. Wow. Back October 16th, the D.C. Trump case, a hearing on government motion to limit extrajudicial prejudicial statements. So that was that that's been in the air for a while because like he really he won't sort of goads up. the judges. Yeah, he doesn't shut up really. The trial begins for for the Georgia case on October twenty third. Then on January fifteenth, the second case with E. Jean Carroll starts on mm-hmm. for damages to determine damages. And oh, also I so, thought that so I didn't even realize that is still to be oh, adjudicated. I'm sorry. Let me think. Carol 1 trial begins. Yes. The damages are, yes. So there was a, there's a second case that she's got against him too, I think. Okay. But this is the first one. I think this looks like the damages for the first one because he actually re-defamed her like after. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like probably during. Right. Right. During the trial or right afterward, he he went on TV and said all the same things that he had already said that he was judged against for. So. I think things might get tacked on there. I don't know. Oh, wow. Um, so that's pretty wild. The D.C. Trump case, the trial begins on March 4th. And then there's Super Tuesday on March 5th, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> New York trial. There's a, wait, another New York trial begins on the 25th. See, I can't even understand my own. Wow. Okay. You can't yeah, understand all, your own notes. <laughs> it's too much. He, he, he's in so much hot water. I'll say that nicely, hot water. Then the Mar-a-Lago trial. Yeah, right. So New York, there's a New York trial that begins March 25th and May 20th, the Mar-a-Lago trial begins. Lock him up. And then the Republican National <laughs> Convention in July. <laughs> so we'll see if he, if he gets there. Oh, how can, yeah. he, I, I mean, how can anybody take his candidacy seriously? <laughs> it's all of this shit happening. Anyway, and spe- go ahead. You got the next guy, too. Oh, yeah. So in other news, our fine Senator Bob Menendez is pretty much fucked. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am sad. I kind of there has been a lot of scuttlebutt around him for a long time. Yeah. But he's done good things <laughs> in the Senate. You know, I, I, I and yeah, he's fucked. So, yeah, uh... I mean, when you have. You know, corruption on such a level, like you can't look the other way on it, regardless of what other things they might have done or the way he votes. Yeah. And this is, yeah, I just get, I, and I, this is when I start thinking about Al Franken, you know, like, God damn it. Why did you just go? Why did you leave? Because you grabbed somebody's tit when you were 25. Right. And that was a joke and he didn't even that's I that know, makes me angry. I know, I know. And he, I love him. I listen to him. I listen to his podcast. Like he was good. He's, in he's the great. Senate. Yes. 
And he's a great commentator outside of the Senate. But, oh, my gosh, if he were still there, it would be I great. know. But Menendez, I mean, so <laughs> he, he was caught with $500,000 of cash stuffed into pockets and in a safe and in closets. And, and he had 13 gold bars. Really? In his oh house? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's well, comical. You know, it is, you know, but but it was also, but so I guess it's some sort of foreign influencing, and that's the, that's serious. Like he was see, allegedly taking bribes to enact things that benefit Egypt. Oh, so there's all oh, kinds that of stuff. Ex- okay, that explains the Egypt headlines I've been seeing. Okay, yeah. I haven't really been following this Menendez thing closely. I just hope we can get another good Democrat in the Senate and the one, and the, the only other thing that would suck is whatever seniority he has on committees and all that shit that's out the window when they, when you right. get a new guy in. So, right. Yeah. So he, oh, so he left his committees, but he is not stepping down as of this moment. Yeah. I, well, I can't imagine that's going to last. I mean, well, when I is he know. up for reelection? Is it next year or is it, is he off? Is he in like two years from now? Cause I know the Senate, is staggered you're always right. losing you always uh, a one-third of the senate is always up for re-election in an even numbered year right i haven't seen any ads for him or any you know li- you know literature well about i don't that. know that there will be he you know if he's if he's smart he won't run again right right but that's what i mean like if he if it had been ahead of time like you know discussing can you know the re-election but i i hadn't heard anything about it at all so I don't know, but um... oh, it is. He is up. He is up for twenty on twenty twenty four. Oh, okay, twenty twenty four. Okay, yeah, next right. year. Right, right. Okay. So, so yeah, I'm expecting if he won't step down voluntarily, I'm I'm expecting a host of of uh, challengers in the primary. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get someone who can work well in tandem with Cory Booker, who I really yes. like. Yes. He's a, I think he's genuinely awesome. So yes. Okay, Jersey politics, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and our final thing is not, pol- well, it, it is political, but it's not political with people. The numbers of rhinoceroses, rhinoceri? <laughs> rhinos. Rhinoceri. Rhinos, right. yeah. Yes, the rhino- not the Republican in name only, the actual big mammal with the horns. <laughs> <laughs> They've rebounded as global figures reveal a win for conservation. Figures released by the IUCN African Rhino Specialist Group indicate that the global rhino population increased to about 27,000 at the end of last year, with southern white rhino numbers increasing for the first time since 2012. Black rhinos, native to East and Southern Africa, have been heavily depleted by poaching for their horns, but last year increased by nearly 5% rising from 6,195 at the end of 2021 to 6,487 at the end of 2022. This increase has happened despite a rise in black rhinos killed by poachers and has been aided by conservationists establishing new populations that have grown in size. The Javan and Sumatran rhino, meanwhile, remain critically endangered in steady decline and appear likely to go extinct. Officially, about 80 Sumatran rhinos remain, but experts believe there may be as few as 34, often in small fragments of forest where it is almost impossible for them to find each other and breed. 
In March last year, a female was born in captivity in Indonesia after several miscarriages. In India and Nepal, the greater one-horned rhino population is stable at about 4,000, but conservationists remain concerned about poaching and habitat loss. So some good news, some not so great news. I had thought that the, I had thought years ago, because I had seen, I guess it was a, an, an erroneous meme. So like, don't believe everything you read on Facebook. They had a picture of a rhino and they said, this is the last one because he's a male and there's no females and blah, blah, blah. I remember that. I feel like we might've even reported that. Yeah, and we, I'm did. Like, we did. We did because I was upset. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, that's why I'm making the rhino report now because, you know, I'm interested in the survival of the big mammals. Yes, uh, absolutely. So, so they're, they're, uh, I, I think a lot of it is, is they're really making an effort to stop poaching because that's yeah. really what's fucking everything up. But with that, that is all the news we're handling today. Catch a new wave with Saved by Zero on Radio PBS, independent internet radio from Melbourne, Australia, Thursdays at 8 a.m. Eastern and again on Sundays at 1 a.m. Join me, your host, Andrew Genus, and take an hour-long dive into new wave, punk, post-punk, indie and modern rock, Gen X angst, and sonic joy. Saved by Zero, Thursdays at 8 a.m. and Sundays at 1 a.m. on RadioPVS.com. Welcome to Artscape. I'm Robin Renee, and I'm here today with Wendy Sheridan. Hi. <laughs> you need, you're ready for NPR. That was great. <laughs> right. Oh, man. So, I, yeah, I need my other name, like a hyphenated name or something for, I don't know. They have those, like, what are they called? Find your oh. NPR name or something. Oh, oh, know, oh, oh. stupid oh. things. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Now I want to go look that up instead of do this, but I won't. <laughs> no, it's not that. There are better ones. This one's not that great. Anyway, I am curious to hear about your, I know that you did an album cover a while back. Uh, yeah, were, it, was, it was almost a year ago. I had to go look it up, but they just released it. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. No, that's, that's what I saw. So that it was, you'd kind of had it under wraps. I think I had seen the artwork yeah. and talked about it with me a little bit, but you finally were able to reveal it officially like this yes. weekend, I believe. Yes. Yes. And I actually, I, I, you have reminded me, I'm so, I am, I am very happy to plug Paul Funis's band Flick Liver. He's releasing the album in, in single, he's releasing everything as singles all month, I think. And he released his first single yesterday. And I think the name of the thing is Terrified Cat. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I like it. I kind of thought you would. And I did I was uh I was privileged to do the cover for him and and of course looking at it now since I painted it literally last in January, I think I finished it. I'm looking at it now and going, "Damn, I could redo this so much better now." <laughs> so there's this is I guess that's one of these this artist things that you go through. Because you look at your work that you've done a few months ago, and it's like you've you've improved over the time, and you're going, oh, I see what this is fucked up there. And it's like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I've never, 
there are always little tiny things I hear in a recording or whatever oh, yeah. that I would want to be different, but it's, I don't know. I'm pretty good at letting it go, but it's not, it, you, I still hear it, you know? Oh yeah. 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 I, yeah, my albums are like that too. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, you're, you're a little pitchy there, Wendy. So, <laughs> so yeah. So tell me about this, this art piece. Now the, I know that the first album showed like a woman reaching through something right. like a hole in the ground or something like that. So this yeah, is sort yeah, of a continuation yeah, okay. of the art, the right, piece. Right, right, right. The first, the album preceding this one, I don't know if it's their very first album or not, but the album preceding this was a black and white drawing ink drawing of a woman laying on the ground with her arm going through a hole. And I don't remember the name of the album. I'm really sorry. But Paul was saying this is, you know, what's in the hole that the woman's reaching down, which is why, you know, the arm is black and white to, you know, as a callback to the other album cover. And I think he had some he had some things he wanted in there, but I think most of this design was me taking his concept and 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 just playing with it. I know he wanted her like reaching down into the lake, and I don't know if I if I really picked it up in in the visual. <laughs> the synthesis of joy and pride is the name of the first. Thank album. you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And. I wanted the lake, like the center of the lake where she's pointing to actually be like a speaker cone and that the waves are the sound waves from a speaker. Like that's the music coming up. And and the sky whale, I totally stole from the anime movie Bell because there was a sky whale in that that blew me the fuck away. <laughs> the whale had like all these like speakers on it and there was a girl standing on the on the whale singing and it was it because it was a virtual world. This whole this this movie is about people going into this virtual reality world and becoming very popular and, and how they're not like that out in the real world. And it's a good movie. It's on Max right now. I don't think they've pulled it yet. So, you know, that's I recommend that. But if you're into anime and music. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, you know, I had to put the sky whale in there because it's cool and surreal because this whole this whole cover is a very surreal kind of thing and the guitar player and the trumpet player are separate paintings because I did not feel confident enough at the time to put everything on one canvas you know and I didn't want to screw it up so you know because it's not like you know when you're working in watercolors when you when you have made a mistake it is really really hard to fix you know acrylics and oils you can kind of paint over it let it dry and paint over it and then and then it's okay and I think there's some old masters that that if they they do those x-ray analyses of the paintings to see like if there's another painting under there and sometimes there's a completely different painting under there and sometimes there's like a slightly different painting under there like they fix some stuff like i guess maybe their patron said i you know i don't want to be holding a, a glass i want to be reading a book so you know they would change yeah. it or something you know i was I watching could... some videos about that too like restoring art and and discovering things under layers that right, were right. missing yeah it's interesting yeah. yeah you can't do that in watercolor yeah, yeah. <laughs> watercolor is you you're like you know doing a high wire act without a net so <laughs> right <laughs> so when you when you fuck it up it you got to start over so anyway, so how did you place those uh, extra drawings? Like like oh, collage was, or no Photoshop? Photoshop oh, okay. scanned everything in and put it in Photoshop, and it's kind of ironic because that trumpet player is so tiny right now. But the original is, I would say, I did it on a nine by twelve piece of paper, and 
there's so much detail in there that you're never going to see. Like I had, you know, cause it's a trumpet and trumpet is a shiny surface and it's reflecting everything. So I have it reflecting the sky on the top. I have it reflecting like his shirt and his pants in the ground and you can't see it on the album cover, but I know it's there. So right. yeah. And then, and then I did the album, the, the text, I think I did an illustrator. I put everything into Illustrator and then did the text because that was, that was, you know, I had to put my graphic design hat on and not my painter hat. So, and that's because he says, I want it to look like 60s psychedelic. And I think I managed to do that. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I think of the art. And it's interesting, the music, at least the Terrified Cat song is a little different than what I'd expect yeah, but for the artwork, your, but it's but it's right up your alley. It's very yeah. it's very punk to me, and and raw and and energetic. Yeah, I think it's going to get some play on on Saved by Zero. So. Oh, cool! I will let him know. I'll yeah, let yeah. Him know. Ariel is is a backup singer on that track too. I think oh, my nice. daughter. So, yeah. I, well, I I I know if I should say this, but I I believe. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's 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 cool to see. I I could imagine, like having to sit on a piece of art for a, a long time before you're able to reveal it. I kind of felt that. So I was like, oh, that's that's oh, cool God. to see it. So. I was yeah. I and I am one of these people. Like if if I'm buying a present for like your birthday or for Christmas, it's like three days later. I'm like my I've chewed my nails down to like the third knuckle, and I go, look, I just have to tell you, I got you this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Because I can't, I can't. You can't not keep try. your own secrets. No, I cannot. So this was very hard for me to do. That's um, funny. We'll have to maybe throw it up on our Instagram or something so people can see and know yeah. about the record and all that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it kind of leads me to want to talk a little bit about your emerging style. Oh. Because I okay. know that for a while you felt like you didn't really have a particular style but i've just sort of just watching your work a little bit and i think you've even mentioned that you feel like you're starting to develop something that feels like it's it's the sheridan it's the wendy maybe. Sheridan look or style yeah yeah what, maybe what are maybe, you maybe. finding what are you discovering? well well i'm well okay i've i've you know i've been taking basically a free art well it's not free as in you don't pay for it but i mean it's the from this through the senior senior services now that I'm a crone, that, you know, it's very, it's very reasonably, you know, it's five bucks for us to take this art class, but it's like an open, it's open, it's not free. It's an open studio time, mm. you know, where you go and we all talk about our work and we're all working on different things. And I've been producing, a, and it's making me produce a lot of work. And I, for example, last month, just, I just decided I wanted to do paint some beech trees for the for the hell of it, just because it it was a I saw a re nice reference photo. There's a there's a Facebook group that has, you know, that has photographers that post their pictures for specifically for artists to use as reference, and I appreciate that greatly because there's a lot of really great photographs. So this woman took a picture of a beech forest in. Birch, birch, not beech. God damn it. I can do this all the time. It's birch trees, not beech trees, birch trees. With okay, R. when you said beech trees, I'm picturing like palms or something. No. I, like, I don't think that's what you, I was confused. Birch, okay. birch trees. Got Eventually it. I'll get it. Yeah. Boy, this, 
this with with this interview's dovetailing really great with the one that's coming after it. <laughs> it's like everybody's ADD today. <laughs> um, anyhow, these it's a birch forest in Finland, and it was just really nice looking. You know, the the trees are white and black, and then they have these nice yellow green leaves. And I did I think three different paintings, and then after the third one. I just got this idea that, you know, cause you're do I'm doing this, you know, white and black patterning on, on the bark and I'm going, you know, you know what else has patterns on their skin? It's like giraffes. So I drew these three giraffes and instead of the, just the horns, they have trees coming out of their head. You know, they have like branches with leaves on them. And, and I just, and it's a, I guess it's a surrealism kind of thing, but this was like the first time I've been doing a lot of, you know, when you're, when you're painting a reference, you're basically copying, you know, you're not really, I mean, you do a little bit of composition by cropping the image or taking a piece of the image, the original image, but it's more doing those kind of work. It's more, I think you're, you know, getting more familiar with your tools. But that the giraffe thing is something that I feel like that's like a thing that I did that's really, you know, like art that came from me. I had an idea. I did it. And it's like, I really like it. It's at the framers now. I'm hoping it's back so that I could take it to PhilCon and, and just display it. I have prints already. And then I think two weeks ago, this guy had this photograph. It's this beautiful photograph of this flamingo in the water with this crazy reflection and I painted it and and I think for me it's it's showing you know for me I, I it's like I really love this painting I have it hanging <laughs> in my bedroom where I see it like when I wake up in the morning because that's kind of where I am right now and and it's really I got it's a beautiful painting I will I will there will be a copy on the show notes so I'll, I'll send you one and um, I love the painting too I, I really I, it's yeah it I was... mean I, I think it's, yeah, but it, it's not my composition. <laughs> it's right, not right. my photograph. It, it's a but good just painting. But just to practice the skill and to be able to achieve that. Yes. I, I, that I really it, liked. it makes me, I mean, if I look at how I painted the water, for example, I, I realize that, you know, I am actually getting a mastery of this medium and, and that, and in that terms of that, I feel, you know, it's like valid art you know, since it's not something that I came up with out of my brain, you know, but it also, it also is showing me, and I'm also, you know, this is, this is why I'm looking at that album cover is because I can do reflections in water a lot better than I could last January. And that's why I'm looking at that painting and going, oh, that water is kind of like, uh, <laughs> so well, their next album. Think about that. That'll be uh... <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not, it is nice to see progress though, isn't it? Oh yes. To experience yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, and I and I see where I want to improve in other areas. Like I try to do a sketch of something I, I'm seeing in my head and it's coming out stupid. So I need to work on, you know, my perspective like with land not you know, with landscapes with buildings in them, you know, so I can so I can actually render, you know, the fantasy castle with the dragons and the things going on and have it look like it's supposed to and not like just some wonky thing. Although I guess, you know, there's room for wonky things, too. So, 
Well, yeah. it's good. Yeah. yeah. It's good when it's intentional, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I want to do it because that's how I want it to do and not just because this is all I'm capable of doing. So, you know, that it's, yeah, it's like, like, you know, early Picasso, he was painting realistically and then he says, okay, I know how to do this. Now I'm going to go do this weird shit. So I'm not quite at doing the weird shit yet, but I'm getting my toe in there. So I don't know. I it, it's it's going to be fun to see where I go with this because I don't know where I'm going with any of it. Yeah, definitely. It's nice to sort of just be along for the ride. So, and I yeah. do I do like this. I mean, I love I love surrealism. So I was kind of cool to see that. Yeah. So in the water. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you know, and it's like I've also got the thing in my head when I'm looking at like that flamingo painting I did. I'm going, you know. What if I made that as a quilt? So it's like <laughs> so I'm I'm kinda I might need to calm myself down at some point, but but I, I did pre-order a fancy quilting sewing machine that I can actually do long arm quilting. So I'm kind of I got quilts in the back of my head. So that may be happening too. I don't know, you know, because it's like, yeah, you've spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on art supplies. So go back and start quilting again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not opposed to working in different mediums. For me, I would just want to make sure I'm progressing in, in on something. And yeah. like, like there's a, there's a way in which you could just be doing a little bit of everything and never finishing yes. anything but well, i don't that, see you doing that i mean I, you seem well, to you do you're showing up at shows with with stuff you know yeah i know i know but i also i have been historically one of those people that just does a little bit of everything you know and you get kind of okay you get competent and then bored i guess i mean that that could be part of my undiagnosed adhd or whatever you know, you read those things and you say, oh, well, that's me. And, you know, so you think you're you think you're not as neurotypical as you think you are. But I have I have jumped around from various media a lot over the course of my life. And, you know, and I guess it's also I want to kind of circle back on some things because, you know, it's one of those use it or lose it kind of deals, mm -hmm. you know which I think I've kind of gotten there with musical instrument playing because I haven't been, you know, I don't go downstairs and like do keyboard exercises, you know, for 20 minutes a day anymore. You know, I haven't done that in a long time. So I'm probably, I probably fallen back to my default, which is eh, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'd like to, I would like to get as good on the keyboards as I am worth with watercolors right now, honestly. And if I could do that without having to spend an hour or so a day practicing, I would be doing it. But, you know, that's the, that's the kind of thing, you know, I haven't opened up my cello in probably six years. So mm -hmm. the first time out of the box with that's going to be a little painful. <laughs> so. I have shows coming up. I have a, a show this month on, I have a show on Saturday, the 14th of October at the Barron Arts Center in Woodbridge. And I have a show in Rahway on November 4th 
at the Rahway Rec Center. That's the Rahway Art and Craft Fair. And then um, the weekend of November 17th through the 19th, I will be exhibiting and selling some more stuff at PhilCon in Cherry Hill. And, Very nice. Uh, PhilCon was fun last year. Was it? Okay. Yeah. No, I enjoyed hanging out with you and yeah. going to some things, you know. Okay. So I, might, I might be able to make your November shows so okay that would be I cool do that i will yeah oh yeah i would i would i would love that and yeah i think i'm also i have i have ideas for a cosplay now since i've since i've lost the weight i can do mom from futurama but i trying to talk rich into doing the professor and i i don't know if i've convinced him yet <laughs> so so I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be in the masquerade or not. If I if I actually make a costume, I'm going to try to be in the masquerade. So, nice. um, but we'll see. We'll see. That's that's all open. That's like a whole month away, and that's like I can't even think about that yet. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's always great to hear about your work, and I'm glad well, that you, you are doing things and progressing and showing your work and selling work and yeah, thank coming you. up with new ideas. So well yeah, done. thanks. <laughs> The promise of America is freedom, equality. We must act now to restore and protect these freedoms for us and for the future. We are the American Civil Liberties Union. For over 100 years, the ACLU has fought for everyone to have a voice and equal justice. Because we the people means all of us. To learn more, go to myaclu.org today. I am very, very happy to be here with artist, writer, photographer, horseman, and mermaid, Tiana Byertz. She considers herself a nerd in the following categories, science fiction, fantasy, superheroes, animation, science, fan of weird early life forms on this planet. And this also explains why I have been in love with her for 40 years. So, and she doesn't even know. So <laughs> her favorite work is environmental education art for local parks. She's paddled in the wake of dolphins, tra trained actual wild mustangs, a three and one quarter dog sled team, which I'm going to have to ask her about in a minute, volunteered with wildlife rehabilitators, and she lives with a small pride of mini panthers. So welcome, Tiana, to the show. Welcome. I am so amazed and bemused to find somebody that has my art from like 40 years ago. That is hilarious. <laughs> You were, you were, well, you were affordable, number one, and you were really, really good. <laughs> so, well, you are really, really good. You're still good, but you were good in the 80s as well. And honestly, I think part of my inspiration for why I decided to take up watercolors, it's, you can take, you can take the blame for that. Oh, so. <laughs> Watercolor is this wonderful medium that everybody's terrified of. It's like, no, 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 no. It's totally simple. It's like, remember when you were a child and you did crayons and coloring books and all you had was a piece of white paper with a drawing on it and your translucent crayons and watercolor works exactly the same way, except it's wet. Yeah. Okay. So I guess let's start talking about 
your work with, you know, environment, the environmental education stuff. I kind of remember you posting some things recently about this really cool mural that you were putting up somewhere. So, um, so tell me a little bit about that. The way that started was, well, I've all always been all about animals. And I grew up, you know, on a tiny farm and running around in the woods and all that kind of thing. So animals and nature and environment, some of my early heroes were like Jacques Cousteau, Jane Goodall, that kind of thing. And back in the dark ages, I accidentally tripped over some local wildlife rehabilitators and volunteered with them. And then also in that process found the local York County Park System has an environmental education center at Nixon Park in Jacobus, Pennsylvania. And it's a lovely large visitor center sort of buried in several acres of woodland with stream running through it. It's got a lot of hands-on things for little kids. It's got programs for people of all ages. And I got involved with them as a volunteer. And then gradually as an artist they could call on when they needed a specific project. So it might be something as simple as a poster for Envirothon. Here, quick, do us a magic marker poster. Or can you touch up these other people's murals? Or can you just do us a mural and we'll pay you for it? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and uh, so I've got, a couple, I've got a couple of things there on the walls which were challenging and fun. And the thing about murals is you walk into this space and a life-size mural of something, it creates a connection that is different. I mean, books are great. I love books. I grew up on books. But something life-size that you can walk right up next to and take a selfie has an impact that's really different from picking up a book. And it was the same thing with the wildlife rehabbers. The one woman rehabbed birds of prey. So you would take four birds and their carriers into a classroom and you'd reach into that carrier and you'd get Thermal the Wonderhawk to sit on your glove and you would pull her out of the crate and out would go this four and a half foot wingspan of a red-tailed hawk. And every third <laughs> grader would just be like, <gasps> and you know you made an impact. So, wow. The thing I just did was a bird thing. It was, we have a piece of blank wall. Let's put, and we have a really great education director, Kelsey. And she was like, let's do giant birds. And then we're going to put bird nests in front of the mural so you can sit in the bird nests and take selfies and pretend you're a baby bird being fed by the parent birds. And the bird nests, of course, are chairs that end up looking a bit like two different types of nests. There's the hanging basket chair that looks like an Oriole nest, more or less. And there's the sort of basket chair that looks like a typical basket nest as a robin or a blue jay would have. So the birds chosen were a Baltimore Oriole and a blue jay, which are colorful and diverse. And it was like, I want to say eight feet by about seven feet, giant birds. One wow. bird was the size of a Newfoundland dog. And <laughs> it, was, it was just really fun, you know, going through 
the field guides and the internet and finding a dozen pictures of a Baltimore Oriole and then a female Oriole and so on, Blue Jays look alike. Like they both male and female are exactly alike. But finding all the reference photos and then of course they're just referenced. You don't copy anyone's photo because that would be stealing their work. So you just use it as a off right. And right. we do it in house paint because that's the most efficient, cheapest, best way to do it. You can't buy enough artist paint to cover a whole wall. You just have to use house paint. And using house paint's a little tricky because it's opaque. And each color is already made with a bunch of other colors mixed in. Like it says yellow on the label, but to make yellow, they have all these other colors in it. So the bottom line is if you mix your paint badly, it gets chalky or muddy and you want to avoid that. Mm. So there's a little bit of a trick to it. And then the background, I started with a kind of smushy green almost abstract background and then it just kind of looked questionable and i always work especially if it's something like this where it's a professional project it's like is this right you know first we show them sketches then we draw things in chalk on the wall do you want anything adjusted uh, maybe if we did this okay cool i can do that and even if there's a layer of paint down, like we ended up looking at the background going, yeah, no, can you tweak that? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we tweaked it, made it more out of focus, uh, a little more realistic. The style I use for murals is kind of Pixar realism. It, it's like, <laughs> it's real because you want it to be accurate to the animals and nature that you're portraying. But also you push it just a little bit so that it's fun. And um, okay, there was a little back and forth and it's messy and involves a giant cart full of cans of paint and things to pry the paint open and hoping you don't climb up on the ladder and accidentally drop an entire muffin pan of six colors all over the place. <laughs> Oh, Muffin pans make really good palettes for this kind of painting. So, and then people wander by and they go, oh, wow, look at that. And then you talk to them and try to educate them a little bit and hand out business cards for your website and so on. And it's, it's actually, it's been <laughs> cool, cool, cool. And, and regards to your wildlife rehabbing days, you had mentioned in, in the info you sent to us that you were riding in a van with a upset vulture oh, at have, one time. <laughs> Tell me that story. I have, in fact, <laughs> ridden in a closed van with a barfing vulture. Okay, so each, each <laughs> rehabber, there was one who specialized in birds of prey, including vultures, which are not technically birds of prey, but they're included in her rehab thing. And she had a black vulture as a, an educational ambassador non-releasable oh. because uh Khan and Genghis had been stolen from the wild by some clueless kids and were now imprinted on humans so Genghis went to one rehabber and Khan stayed with us so we could do the uh Captain Kirk thing of yelling Khan <laughs> 
And meanwhile, the other rehabber, a very old school lady who had literally raised lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and her specialty was river otters, which are far more dangerous than any of the aforementioned beasties. Really? Yeah, really. It's a muscolid. Anything in the muscolid family, <laughs> like weasels, ferrets, badgers, wolverines, otters, you know, river otters, sea otters, that's a lot of power for their size. Like a river otter is the size of a big cat. Yeah. And if they take offense to being yeah. in their space, they're very, very chompy. Her worst injuries actually came from a pair of river otters that objected to her being Ooh. in their enclosure. This is also the lady that had a cougar in her upstairs bedroom. <laughs> she had an old farmhouse and it had those deep, deep windows. And the room was actually, the front of it was closed off. And then the cat, Mariah, could go out the window into a large outdoor two-story enclosure. So, but occasionally Mariah would be the cat curled up on the windowsill like a normal cat, except it was a hundred pound <laughs> cougar. But uh, Barb had a turkey vulture and Mitzi had a black vulture. And more than once we would go to lectures and the vulture, when they get upset, they barf. And it's very, very stinky. <laughs> And it's one of their defense mechanisms. And uh, we just kind of learned to live with it. It's like, oh, yep, the vulture just got kind of upset. But then when we, we, would take, <laughs> we would take these animals to programs and the birds in particular would be in carriers like dog or cat carriers that were, they had bits of cardboard over the front and then we would put a towel over the whole thing. So the bird was in a safe, dark, space and felt safe and when we brought them out to show them and talk about them we would pay attention to the birds reactions if they got stressed out then they would go back in their safe space where they would just kind of relax and chill out yeah barfing vultures were fun i did not realize they did that i had i had a a small business of ferrets at one point, and I had to name one of them Bitey because people would try to engage with him and he would bite them. So I rescued it's like I rescued a ferret from a yard sale once. It was not neutered and not descented. Descented. And I was living with some friends at the time. And they dubbed him Logan because he was wearing yellow and brown, just like Wolverine and the original X-Men. And he was <laughs> Logan, and he probably weighed, I don't know, three pounds. And he was a force of nature. That's big. He was afraid of nothing except wow. hawks. Like if I had him outside on a leash and a hawk flew overhead, it was like, boom, into safety. He, he just, he knew about hawks. It was instinct. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about this one quarter of a dog's <laughs> when you're in your sled team. And, and this is, you had a, a dog sled team and you, were you up north or was this like a local oh, Pennsylvania? Oh, it's totally a local Pennsylvania thing. So in short, I have a friend named Heather. Heather Hannah has Huskies. Heather Hannah has had Huskies all of her life. And I learned everything I knew about Huskies, specifically Siberian Huskies from Heather. And she would basically say, 
here's what the breed is like. You want to get a Labrador Retriever instead because they come with rules. <laughs> Rule number one is never let them off a leash because no, you just, you just can't. One day I had a couple of, well, I had one pygmy goat at that point and she was tied out in the yard eating some extra grass. I was inside talking to Heather's sister on the phone and the goat began screaming and goats scream very well. It's not just that bit in Thor 4. No, they really do scream. <laughs> I went outside and there was an inept predator chasing this goat in circles. And the inept predator was clearly a Siberian Husky. So I caught the dog, secured the dog, called everybody, found the owners eventually in a couple of days. And then they kept telling me, well, she does this. And I'm like, it, it's a Siberian. Well, she does that. Uh, it's a Siberian. And she does this other thing and we can't. Yeah, it's a Siberian. We want to rehome her. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I got a friend in Siberian rescue. We'll find a home. Called Heather. Dog, dog, dog. Rescue. Fala la. Two days later, called Heather back. Forget it. Keeping the dog. And that was my first Siberian. And then it's like potato chips because you can't have just one. <laughs> so I rescued uh, Blue, came from the old guy next door to my boyfriend's trailer. Blue came home with me. And then uh, there were just several more after that. And uh, I got the harnesses. And first I hooked two dogs up to a bike. And then at one point I bought a dog rig, which is like a three-wheeled vehicle that you stand on as if it were a sled, but it has wheels and it will follow the dogs, but you can also steer it with handlebars. Then I got a sled and then I got a better sled. At one point <laughs> I had three dogs and like one dog can pull a bike effectively. Two dogs is better because while dog one is going squirrel, dog two will be trotting straight ahead. <laughs> three dogs you add that third dog and it's like you just put it in warp drive it's like wow boom okay. off you go so i had three dogs and i've driven up to four and i have no idea how people do the iditarod with 16 dogs because that's bonkers <laughs> but somewhere in the middle of three dog night my friend had to rehome her dogs and uh, she's like, do you want to take Max? And I'm like, why not? Max was a 16 pound skipper key. Skipper keys <laughs> are little black Belgian spitz type dogs that look like you took a Siberian Husky, shrank it down to 16 pounds and painted it black. <laughs> They're really adorable. They were kept on boats as a kind of alarm system as well as ratters, but it's very distinctly a bits type or northern type dog. Well, Max was gung-ho and I took him for walks with the other dogs and he just dragged me down the trail. And I'm like, we're getting you a harness boy. And I did. <laughs> I hooked him up with the big dogs and he was like, so that was the corner dog. And down the road he goes, uh, <laughs> trotting with the big dogs. And of course, you go at the pace of your slowest dog. So we kept it down to a nice even trot. And when he got a little bit tired, like you can tell the word slacker comes from that dog will literally go slack. Like they'll come back and the tug will go slack and you can see they're not pulling anymore. 
And it's like, oh, okay, well, we'll take him out of the line and put him in the backpack on the rig and he can ride now. And he would ride in the backpack and look around and have a good time. But he pulled <laughs> like a little maniac. And there was one time when I had him and one of the Siberians and a friend on a skateboard. And at one point, the Siberian kind of slacked off and Max was still towing. And Max was pulling my 200-pound friend on a skateboard. So, <laughs> yep, three-and-a-quarter dog team. I, I have to recommend mushing, like recreational mushing, as something really fun. If you have a dog and a bike, and your dog is a dog that's uh, reasonably fit and likes to run, try it. Minimal training. You train mm. them on a leash ahead of you. Basic commands like, whoa. Whoa, expletive deleted. Whoa, expletive deleted. Use of brakes. You teach them on you teach them on by, which is the same as leave it. And you just go and have fun because humans are slow. So your dog really wants to run down the trail, but it's not safe to let them run themselves. And some dogs don't like to chase things. Like they don't like to chase balls or whatever. So a dog that just really wants to go down the trail this is a good exercise for them. Well, that's cool. That's cool. And now I would like you to explain mer your mermaid ness. Is because <laughs> I know I know I have I have friends that are into this as well, other friends. So so please explain explain mermaiding to me and how how one gets involved in that. Mermaiding. Well, I have a whole book too, which you can see on my website. But okay. mermaiding is one of those things that you can do no matter who you are like if you can't swim and you just like the idea of mermaids you can decorate your house or whatever you can wear like mermaid clothing there's outfits out there that make leggings and whatnot but if you swim swimming as a mermaid is really fun and swimming i mean it doesn't matter your age, your size, your gender, your color, your shape, anything, nothing, none of that matters. In the water, there's no gravity. You're, there's just total and complete freedom. You can start with a pair of fins or bifins, you know, what you think of as flippers or dive fins, do a kind of modified butterfly stroke. Like you're, think of how a dolphin moves and you're moving you're both feet together, but you're rolling all the way from the top of your head through your body, out your feet. You're making this big wave shape. And you can't see me doing wave shapes with my hands, but just imagine, <laughs> imagine like starting <laughs> at the top of your head and, and doing this undulation like you're a dolphin. When you can do that well, then you can get a monofin, which is one big fin shaped like a dolphin tail that you put both feet in. And now here's where you have to practice your safety skills. You have to be able to get out of that quickly if you have a problem. Once you're proficient with a monofin, then you can get a tailskin. And there are many manufacturers who make tailskins. They're usually spandex. Those are the most accessible, the least expensive. They come in a lot of different colors and patterns. You can also make your own. The, the tail fins are the ones that come up to your waist 
and the monofin is just on your feet. Right. The monofin is that kind is of is just the okay. uh, usually plastic or rubber or silicone, and it's just the fin that fits on your feet. So it's your it's your tail flute. Okay. And then the tail right the right. tail skin is it goes over all of that and comes up to your waist. So now you look like a mermaid. Okay. And then your your next skill set is being able to get out of that quickly if you have a problem. Like you should be able to just yank that down, yank your feet out of your monofin and have two two legs again. There's another level of this where it becomes expensive and skill intense. And this is where people usually get mer tenders. They get people to go with them and help when they've got a whole silicone tail, which looks like a Hollywood special effect and takes forever to get into and you're not going to get out of it quickly either. So this is why you have like safety divers with you. You have, you know, just people, right. Mer tenders, people who are with you who can help you if you have a problem. That is not a lot of people go to that level because it's expensive. We're talking thousands of dollars for a tail like that. It's fun if you can do it, but anybody can enjoy it at the level of getting a monofin and a spandex tail fin and just, you know, having fun with it. That sounds really awesome. That sounds really, really awesome. So you mentioned you have a book. So tell tell my listeners a little bit more about your book and where they can get it. Well, I have altogether, I have four books, but the mermaiding book is the front page of my website has information on that. And the first one I did, a friend of mine been doing independent publishing for years. And there are some of us who are just like, we're, we're taking a sort of detour around traditional publishing and we're doing the indie publishing thing, but we're doing it with quality. Like I have a lifetime of art training and writing as do many of my friends. And we're just basically making a point of, you know, you can do this indie style and it'll still be really good. But my point with the mermaid book was to show how much fun it is, how easy it is. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to avoid. And here's a whole lot of pictures to show you how much fun it is. (laughs) And it also contains a section on just some of the wild spaces I've been in. Like here, here are the seashells I've collected on the East Atlantic beaches. Here's some of the birds I've seen. Here's some of the fish I've seen. Basically, you can mermaid in a pool. That's a good start. But ultimately, get out into the wilderness and the natural waters and stay safe. But get out there and appreciate the natural world because this really is planet water. So the book points out a lot of that stuff. Cool, cool. And you can tell us about your other books if you want to. The next one I did, see if I can keep these all straight. My cat's over. Ow! (laughs) Uh, My cat did up. I have T'Challa and Shuri, who were born the year the Black Panther movie came out. And I have Worf and Uhura. They're all rescues. And (laughs) Worf and Uhura showed up the year I was binging Star Trek again. (laughs) So the next book I have is 
black horses and black horses is a contemporary fantasy black horses comes out of my lifelong fascination with horses working with horses in 1985 i adopted the wild black mare who had run wild eight years in oregon yes oregon has mustangs and the western mustangs are still being rounded up and brought to various distribution centers. There was one here in Pennsylvania in Lewisbury at the time. And ever since I was a tiny kid watching Fury on TV, I wanted the wild black horse. Well, there was my opportunity and that's what I got. And she'd spent eight years running wild. And it was a huge, I mean, I'd already trained some horses, but it was a huge learning experience. So I trained her, she trained me, she was the most fabulous, fabulous horse ever. Uh, she lived to be 29, which is not bad. Wow. And all of that experience kind of fed into black horses, which is basically there's a young girl, teenager, doesn't drive yet. She's working at a stable, adding to Crapzilla, the giant, you know, manure pile of doom. I knew a Crapzilla once. I worked at a couple of different stables and one of them had a giant sleeping <laughs> dragon of a manure pile that literally was steaming in the night. <laughs> we were like waiting for it to just go kafoom and light on fire or something. <laughs> so this kid whose name is Val, Valerie Schwartz rhymes with warts. She's a nerd and she's a dork and she's not learning as much horsemanship as she wants to learn and then she comes to the aid of a strange horseman one snowy night walking home from her job at the stable and it goes from there i i have a <laughs> i have a world it's kind of like all of star trek involves the uss enterprise or most of it does I have a world of the Earth Life Foundation, which is an eco group, but note that the acronym is ELF because ever since I first played D&D &D and first read Lord of the Rings, I've had a thing for elves. So the ELF contains many other fey beings besides elves, but it is all of the fey characters who have inhabited our myths and legends and are at this point trying to train and teach the humans so the planet gets saved so our hero ends up at hawk circle farm which is based on a lot of places that i've worked at or been to from oh the wildlife rehabbers to the county parks to the stables i've worked at and she ends up there and ends up going on a quest with a centaur mm. and a young elf there's a fair amount of hilarity and a fair amount of seriousness <laughs> and a lot of horses. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of horses is a good thing. Yeah, and it was one of those things where uh, well, for a while, centaurs had kind of been, you know, knocking on my door and going, you need to write centaurs, my metaphorical muse door. <laughs> they found their way into this and it was fun. There's a short story called Fins which is done as almost a picture book like you can read it to younger children and i'm saying saying grade schoolers can read it themselves the hero is a middle schooler girl whose mom gets 
involved with the Earth Life Foundation, and it looks like they're going to have to move south. And the kid doesn't want to. The kid doesn't want to leave her, you know, familiar place. And the story takes place entirely in a little stretch of the Chesapeake Bay in a kayak. <laughs> Landlubber Naya must make a dangerous voyage across the Chesapeake Bay to save a life. Harder still is finding her place in the world her mom loves. And what is the <laughs> secret of their marine environmentalist photographer guide and the big black kayak Naya is now <laughs> paddling? There's magic in all of these. I cannot write a mundane story, so you can expect magic. Okay. And well, thank you for those synopses. And what what is your website? We are going to have a link, but let's uh, let's tell people too. They can go look at the the show notes for for links and everything. But what's the link to your website? It's swordwhale.com. So sword, as in swashbuckle pirate sword, whale, as in large marine mammal, like large marine mammal. So sword whale. Great. Great. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today with me. And I really enjoyed this conversation. This is fun. <laughs> and I hope to I hope to see you in person sometime soon. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know how we'll do that, but where do you live approximately? I'm in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm down here in South Central PA somewhere, right at the top of the Chesapeake Bay. Oh, okay. Well, sometime come on. All right. Definitely. Definitely. And on our next show, it's all about food. I interview Missy Singer-Dumars about her life journey that uh, wound up with her as a farmer, women in food podcasting, and healthy food availability. And Wendy and I also talk about fall gardening in the earthscape. All right. So, yeah, looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, me too. So I'm going to sign off. I'm Robin Renee. And you can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan, on Instagram at Robin Renee Music, and on X Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. And if you like to hang out on Discord, let me know. I can hook you up with the Subgenius Circles and Yacht Rock Discord and other things that you might be interested in. And I'm there as Andrew Genius. And I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards and on Blue Sky at Voxwoman with a V and on Etsy at Wendy Cards with a Z. And remember, you can always reach out to us on social media at Leftscape. So until next time, be well, be a mermaid <laughs> and keep <laughs> left. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash Leftscape. Thanks for listening. <laughs>